Live from Ryan Nelson's New Zealand Vineyard, it's the Vocal Minority Podcast. Welcome to a very special episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast. With so much happening in recent days, we are forgoing our usual malarkey and instead letting, well, we're never really all that happy here, but we're not particularly pleased with some of the things that have happened and there's so much to discuss and be angry or confused or whatever about. So I know we're specific around here, but first, before we get into all of it, because there's a lot to the panel. His review of the CNE from inside BMO Field was far more interesting than anything we've seen on the field of late. He is the meme-tastic graphics guy for the Yorkies. It's Mark Hinckley. Thanks. I was quite proud of it. He had a rousing discussion about the state of Duncan's EPL team with our neighbors during the match. Very educational, and more football was involved in that conversation than what was on the pitch. <laughs> he is the managing editor of the Yorkies. It's Tony Walsh. Duncan! He was enjoying the kit parade in his section and wondering why he didn't decide to support one of those teams instead of TFC. <laughs> he is the Know Your Enemy specialist for Waking the Red and MLS wrap-up guru for Canadian Soccer News. It's James Grossi. Go Darlington. Not Duncan. <laughs> Please note that angry Yorkshireman Duncan Fletcher couldn't be here as he's gone off to shake his fist at some clouds on a beach. As for me, I tried. I really tried to pay attention to the game, especially since Orr was playing, but I admit that was as close to torture as I felt at BMO in a year. So I'm simply a writer of words for Waking the Red and your host, Kristen Knowles. Before we get into everything, I do need to address something about the Nelson firing. Uh, I have to acknowledge that I too lost the bet that I made with Kamal over at the Gaffer and the Hooligan podcast as Nelson did not last the season. So I will admit that I was wrong. And yes, you lot were right. It's true. I forgot what I did. Um, I said July. I know. But you kept telling me that I was wrong, so... That slow-firing bastard. <laughs> I will admit that I was wrong, and that's one of the few times that I will ever do this. Uh, but on to the situation at hand. Let's uh, first, of course, very briefly look at the Revs game, since that seems to have been possibly the turning point. Was this the game that sealed his fate? Um, no, to, to be blunt. Okay. Um, if it is, that's... That's a disparaging situation because you never want your team to be making such rash decisions on the results of one game because any team can have a poor afternoon. Uh, you know, we'll never know the truth, but yeah, like James said, it's unlikely that that match pushed it. It was a convenient uh, addition to all the other crap as it was going on. But the match itself was kind of the kind of the zenith of, in my eyes, of the worst parts of Nelson's management over the last year and a half. If you could take all the things we complained about and put them into 90 minutes, that match kind of encapsulated it. But, 
you know, we don't quite know if that was the result of bad tactics, bad decisions, or if the players could see the writing on the wall too and just weren't up for playing for him on Saturday. Um, you know, it's one of those things that obviously they're not going to come out now and throw the players under the bus or nor that they ever would and say that they, they quit on him because that's, you know, that would just open the gates of hell more so than they already are as far as supporters are concerned. But yeah, I mean, it was the cherry on the Sunday, I think. Well, actually just to that really quickly, um, I did like Stephen Caldwell's interview today, which was basically taking some blame as a player and as the captain of the team for what happened, that they didn't show up for him um, and that they should have, you know, as a team collectively probably done more to see his vision out or whatever. But also just as a captain, he was like, you know what? We weren't always the best team out there for him, which I just thought was interesting and I thought was kind of stand up. Um, but as for the game itself, I actually think it was a bit of both. I think if the team wins that game decisively, Nelson still has a job. I think if they went out there and beat an oft bad team, although a team on a, on a good streak, I think he doesn't lose his job yet. Clearly, according to Bez's comments, the firing was coming, but he even said that had that game gone differently, he may have given him a little bit more time. As for the players quitting, I kind of feel like they did. You watch that game. Um, sure, there was, you know, poor a poor lineup choice, a poor formation choice to start the game. Um, but other than, and I know I talk about him a lot. Other than say Gill, you point me out a player on that pitch that looked like they were actually trying to win the game through most of it consistently. I barely even throw him in there. I know, but he was the only one that I ever noticed doing anything. I, I wonder. It, saying that, you got to wonder. How much of a loss would have been a loss on any loss, you think? Like, say they, they lost a heartbreaking... Right, like know, like 93rd but, minute but typical... Played their, played their heart out right. and were playing some good football. Yeah. I want, you got to wonder how... Just what Bezbachenko was... Right. What he needed to make this move. Exactly. And, no, well, with, with the number of times I've heard, well, he's, he's only won three of his last ten, only won three of his last ten. That's like go on the wall of honor type record typically <laughs> for this club. It's true. Three out of ten, he's caught five year contract extension. And now he's getting Sanchez. Alright, fine. Now I don't know if the team sold him out, but it really felt like the writing was on the wall and he was they were looking for a reason to get rid of him and getting absolutely wiped off the pitch before the fifth minute was probably as good as a reason you're ever going to need to pull the trigger sooner than later. Like, yeah, if it was a better performance, he probably would have survived the two Philly games. Makes sense. But, yeah, whitewash 3-0 at home? Yeah, I'm sorry. I get it. It sucks. But I think they had, they had good cause to get rid of him now. And I think before you can accuse the players of, of throwing the manager under the bus, you have to ask yourself what the atmosphere in the camp would have been like if Nelson and Bezbachenko were having this little rift develop over the last little while. I mean, no player is going to respond well to a situation where the coach might be leaving the next day. Very true. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, and it doesn't bode well because it that means that, you know, behind the scenes, it's been the only difference between 
what we're hearing now and years previous is we didn't hear any of it leading up to it. We've always heard the rumors and the rumblings. This one, you know, the discord has come kind TFC of out of nowhere. MLSC have been better this year about plugging the leaks. Yeah. They yeah. have, it, 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 which is in some way unfortunate for us. because Progress. You know, you know, but, <laughs> but, but it is good. If, if they haven't progressed in any other way as an organization, they have progressed in the fact that they're not going to air all of their freaking laundry all of the time, except for this last week. We're still on fire, but you can't see the smoke. For now. <laughs> all right, so was Nelson a mistake from the beginning? Should he never have been coach this year, last year? I think we should just look at this year, because obviously last year is one well, and done, but... No, yeah, I think you have to look at him as a whole. Okay, and, and so was it always a mistake? I mean, yeah, he was a mistake, but he wasn't more of a mistake than majority of the other guys they've hired. Yeah. Apart from, now we make jokes about this guy all the time, but apart from Preki, who there actually was a reason, a semblance of a reason to hire him. Yeah. You know, his past, okay, it didn't work out, and his personality he was, was prickly. He and the And, <laughs> you know, God, we all know, like, who was behind him and the yeah. circus that was going on there. But, okay, but he's the only guy they've ever hired with any kind of reason. Like, oh, he did well in MLS, fairly well. It's good. The other guys, you know, we've barely had, other than Paul Mariner almost sinking Plymouth Argyle, which also wasn't really necessarily <laughs> his fault, you know, we've had a bunch of guys who've never managed to match and haven't and learned it shows. Lessons. So, yeah. yes, I mean, you can't. And I don't blame Ryan Nelson for it. Obviously, he took a job. You know, any of us would have probably taken, but yeah, it was a mistake. But they haven't learned from it. I'm going to say that everyone has to start somewhere. And yeah, this was a baptism by fire, but to be fair, when they signed him, what star power was there? It was a team at the bottom of the table in a league where you can't get demoted. He had nowhere to go but up. Fine, fantastic. Good place to start. Things were... Things were slowly improving. Off-season, they said, we're going to keep you, st- have you around. And then an influx of talent. Talent that got paid a hell of a lot better than he ever did. Showed up at once en masse. Well, now what do you do? He's At that point, he's over his head. He might be able to mitigate responsibility, control egos, whatnot. But this he's still a rookie coach. A rookie has an entire season. He was still a rookie coach. He still hasn't had a full season under his belt. Or has he? Yeah. 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 A, year, yeah. a year and a bit. Year okay, a year and a bit? Okay. Yeah. Not including preseason and everything yeah. that leads up to yeah. it. So. But still, he's. that's a hell of an ask to for any new manager, or new manager in the sense of how many years of experience of managing he's had, to deal with Jermaine Defoe. You know, he's played in the top league with... No, joking aside, top players, the caliber of the league is higher than anything he's ever than than most of the guys in this league will ever get to play with, and if he's not happy, he can rumble, grumble, grumble as much as he wants. But can he can he manage that? No, he can't. So I don't know. It, it's he. I wouldn't say he was doomed to failure, but he they certainly at least gave him enough of a chance to succeed or fail. Um, I think if you want to if you want to refer to anything as a mistake, it has to be the order of making the hires. I mean, you don't pick your coach before you get the front office sorted out, and and when you do that, it would have been it would have been a little bit cruel if if Lewicki and Bezbachenko had come in and cut Nelson loose. But if that's if that's their decision, maybe that's the best time to make it instead of waiting a year, mm-hmm. 
and then starting all over from scratch. So if there was a mistake, it was probably get your top guy in place and let him make decisions that he's going to be comfortable with rather than trying to make it work after the fact. But they, well, again, they, what else could they say? But they publicly supported him. They said, this is our guy. We have sat down. We have had these conversations. We believe in his vision for the team. He is on the same page as us. This is, we all look at this league and where TFC needs to grow in the same way. They used him to pull talent to the team, and you can't say that they didn't. Would several of those guys have come here without Ryan Nelson? Not a chance. Or not without a lot more persuasion, in my opinion. Of course, we don't know who their other coach choice may have been. But, you know, they've not been shy about saying, this is not the person that sees our vision. We're going to pack them and send them on their way. As in, they shouldn't be. They should absolutely be clear about what they feel. But they said time and again, this is our guy. He sees this the same way we do. That's why Payne had to leave. Because he didn't see the same vision Nelson did. Well, if, if they ever had even a doubt in their mind, then they are culpable for the biggest mistake of Nelson's... Career. Career. Well, his, his, in Toronto. Yes. Tenure. Because, yeah, because um, if they weren't 100% sure then behind him, that was the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have been heartbroken, but it would have looked really bad on them. Yeah. And it was a, a lot of the offseason this past was managing image. Yep. You know, especially bringing in all the new guys. But that was the time if you weren't 100% behind him. Mm-hmm. That was the time. And you had the opportunity to go out and get someone available, not have to make a decision within 24 hours, although we'll talk about that after. But right. <laughs> yeah. So if there is a mistake on his tenure based on 2014, it lies with Lewicki slash Bezbachenko. I agree. Um... Oh, I was I was just going to add, um, we should take everything that the front office said at the beginning of the season with a slight grain of salt. Of course we should. When you're trying to get people to reinvest their faith in the team, amongst other things, there's a good chance that you're going to play up the fact how on the same page everyone is and how this is different. No, look, we're sticking with the coach rather. So, I mean, like, the whole act of not firing him was part of the package they oh, were absolutely. Especially... Especially with the past that we've had, instability, instability, you know, we're going to fire this, fire that, getting rid of the wrong guy. This was exactly, this was PR at its finest. And that is, that's probably why they kept him, because if we want to make this, this, this franchise seem like a thing of stability, let's, let's start with the coach, the guy who's probably the most, would be the most innocent casualty of anything from the regime change. Getting rid of the new guy who just had the worst possible staff he could have underneath him, player-wise, and let's give him a real chance at it. And, oh, you know, underdog, good guy, feel-good story. It, it, it smacks a PR. Well, for me, like, and I agree with everything, you know, I understand what everyone's saying, and it, we all know that I was a proponent of his. Not because I thought he was the greatest coach in the world. I never thought that. I never thought this guy is, like, uh, you know, diamond in the rough. I think he has the potential to be a good coach. I actually do believe that. But the more we watched, the more we saw, you know, tactical inflexibility. Um, for me, frustrating inability to manage the game late in the game. Just that was the part that always, that always stood out for me. I thought I didn't mind his lineups all the time, except for up front. But it was, it was the, the in-game decision. He couldn't react fast enough. He couldn't change gears. And that, you can't, 
you know, it's, it's coming up on over a year at the job. You know, I thought he deserved a chance after last year because, fuck, he was in charge of that nightmare. And, you know what I mean? And I, mean, I admit, that's part of why I was, I was glad to see him stick around, not just for stability, but because he got them through that. And then again, yeah, he brought some players in. I will say, you know, obviously it's never going to happen with this team, although, you know, we seem to be reclaiming players or people. Um, I always thought he'd sort of be a, maybe a better scout than a coach or at least a better, hey, you, I played with you. I know what you can do. You should come here and try this out. A scout. Exactly. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> but, but, and I've said that before this year. You guys know. I, I just, I think that there's... I think there's an opportunity for him still in football. I just think that, uh, I don't think it was a complete mistake, but I understand why people didn't support him, don't support him, are happy to see him gone. I just hope for his footballing career that the next move is the move he probably should have taken in the first place. Go be a defensive coach. Go be an assistant coach. Get some badges. Get some badges. Get some, badges. <laughs> Get some experience. Go go toil in the third and fourth divisions. They'll pay you well. You'll get all the experience you can need and then some. But don't go head rushing into something because I played in MLS once. It's a craft. Management is a craft. Absolutely. You, yeah. Just because you played under good managers doesn't mean you doesn't mean right. you have it. And it's a craft you have to hone. And honing it with lower profile clubs for the most part is the way the best managers are made. One in twenty brand new managers yeah. make some kind of impact and that's rarely even long term impact but what's funny about that what you said is you know what you do with low profile clubs <laughs> in the grand <laughs> scheme of football this is a low profile club in MLS yeah. this is a giant it doesn't make any sense because MLS is this asterisk to every other rule but like if you were to just compare in any metric you want MLS would be on par with what Third division, fourth division, England. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not it's not a big fish. Well, fair enough. But if he goes and learns his craft at Dagenham and Redbridge, he doesn't have to face you know twenty cameras at the end of a match and have giant press conferences and have the egos to balance. Exactly. He, he learn. That, that's the metric, though. Yeah. Like here, what what they pay these guys, DPs notwithstanding, is a pittance to what I'm sure a lot of the guys get paid at Dagenham and Redbridge. I don't but, know why we decided to throw Dagenham and Redbridge under the bus, but <laughs> sorry, Dagenham, sorry about here, that. If Duncan were here, I'm sure he'd have a story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to go see Dagenham. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> it was a road trip back in 2002. Darlington all packed into a van. <laughs> <laughs> the whole town. <laughs> the whole town. So, like, if the metric is quality of play and how much you pay players and ego and all that, MLS is low, low on the end. But Dagenham Redbridge do not get 20,000 people a game being charged a yes. premium to see their club. So if the metric is, like, players who do not, who arguably don't have enough, say, experience worthy of most of the footballing world, this is a great place to start. But everybody in MLS draws at least 12,000 a game. This was kind of a mistake if you're judging based on eyeballs. But it wasn't a mistake if you're basing it off of talent. So we talked about Nelson's lack of experience, clearly, but there is something else that's come up with the firing, because it wasn't just Nelson that got fired. It was the entire coaching staff, and, and sorry, we have to have, we have to have a little moment of celebration. Bye, Jimmy! Bye!
Bye, Jimmy. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm ecstatic that he's gone. I, I, I kept a little soul patch. <laughs> yeah, I see that. That was nice of yeah. you to have the memorial soul patch today. Yeah. yeah. No, the soul patch of the team is gone. Oh, I hear they're going to be giving out uh, 10,000 of those at the game on Saturday for the first you know, people in the stadium. I'm going to toss mine on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Once you wear it, it's supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> but... The entire coaching staff, with the exception of Jason Bent, who's been asked to... The stick, Highlander. Yeah, to stick around. <laughs> he cannot be killed. <laughs> uh, he passed it on. Oh, Brendan clearly passed that on to him. Yeah. Um, JB. Oh. The initials, the initials live on. That's how it always worked. Uh, did he have, and it's been said, and we all have commented on it, that his coaching staff was far too experienced as well, and that he should have, at the very least, if you're going to be a rookie manager... Have someone who's damn experienced sitting next to you to guide you along the way. And he didn't. Should the brain trust, such as it was, have said to him, no, bad Ryan, you get an experienced coach to sit next to you on that bench. Yeah, that was back to Kevin Payne's hiring. And that was, he, he was wrapped up in this cult of Ryan Nelson awesomeness that I think he kind of gave him carte blanche to go and build his own team, which is fair. Mm -hmm. You want your manager to have guys he trusts around him. But everybody knew he was green coming in. Wouldn't have been the worst thing to, you know, put some steady minds next to him. God, even even Mo Johnston pulled in a guy in the first year. I can't remember his name now. Neither do I. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it's coming out now that we thought Fran O'Leary, oh, that was a weird hiring. But yeah. everyone kind of went, okay, well, good to have his right-hand man next to him. But now you hear, you know, I mean, obviously it's easy after the fact for people to come out and say, well, we didn't listen to Fran O'Leary. He was a college coach. If everything was going good, it would have been like, you know, great personality management by Fran O'Leary. What but, skill in the draft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, there, someone needed to step in and say, have one guy next to you who really knows how the league works, how to even how to manage things like the media and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Back to your earlier point, when they were when the new regime took over, that would have been the most ideal point to do. It's like, yeah, no, no, we see you've got a coaching staff, but you know what? I got a guy who's got six years' experience doing this, and I got a contact over here who's who's available. We can bring him in. You know, there's no league limit on how much coaching you can have, and just bring him in, impose it on him, but. You've, he's there, these two guys or these three guys are there at your disposal. Never hurts to have that much. So just bring him in, but not my team. And that is the one area where, where having a large organization behind you can be really advantageous. I mean, we're, we're sort of getting into the director of football versus first team coach sort of debate here where, you know, do you want to have a structure in place that's independent of the guy that you're going to fire because he lost 3 nothing to New England? Or do you want to have everything rest on his opinions? But if you look at, you know, some of the best clubs in the league, you know, your, your Los Angeles, your Kansas City, both of their coaches are also their GMs, and they are not shy of bringing in whatever talent they can to keep in-house to help them out with those various tasks. So they clearly didn't have enough... They clearly didn't have enough coaching acumen football... They didn't have enough bodies. They didn't have enough opinions. They could have used some more help. I always get the feeling with TFC and MLC in general that people in charge are afraid to bring in people too smart around them because everyone is a threat to take their job. I don't disagree with that, and I, I think that's a large part of it. I really do, because 
you know the next guys coming in are not going to have be football savvy. They're not. They're going to know less. At the top, yeah. And yeah. whether you know Greg Vanny, who we'll talk about, is the answer. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it just they, they they get blown over. They get bowled over. They allow themselves to buy into the cult of personality. And you said the cult of Ryan Nelson. It's just guys got a pretty you know pretty viable personality in terms of this is what we're going to do and this is you know and look at the coaches for tfc the ones that people sort of like stuck up for so you know chris cummins who didn't like chris cummins dasso who didn't like they had strong believable personalities and how they presented themselves and how they presented what the team was going to do and what the team was about so i get the feeling seeing nelson in conversations even though some of his after game comments were often kind of like mm -hmm. um I think he talked a really good game, and and why not? You know, he's got all this experience behind him. He's done all of this stuff in football. If you are less of an understanding football mind, why wouldn't you believe that? The only thing about when they hired him was he didn't come in with any major bargaining power. You could have yeah. said, okay, we'd like to give you this shot to be head coach, but, you know, under these conditions, with these guys... That doesn't always work, though. So, it, that, you know, it's fair that they might have said, build your team, and that's the best thing, because usually that works. Yeah. But when you've never had to build a team before, not a good idea. Yeah. So, was this necessary now? Is this upheaval so close to the playoffs a good thing? Would have been better to stick with the devil we know until the end of the season? Okay, you know, you know what? In other sports... This always seems like a desperate attempt to salvage the season, and that's a good reason for a sacking. Um, right now, there are seven teams within a five-point spread attempting to secure three playoff spots with eight to ten games to go, and your club is on a downward spiral. Can't blame them for pulling the trigger. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I, I think we kind of talked about this before. Really, the time for this was in the offseason if they weren't sure. Um, but this was kind of the last chance. Maybe the second chance was during the World Cup, but because they were playing okay, he survived. It would have... And I just think both the off-season and in World Cup time, bad PR. And, and sadly, I think those uh, decisions were made because of the image of the club rather than what would be best for the club on the field. And But I mean, you know... This was obviously coming from the moment Greg Vanny was hired as academy director. Because Bachenko had lined this guy up to be his next head coach, for good or bad. We'll find out soon. Um, but, you know, with 10 matches left, with the downward spiral, as Mark said, with so many teams bringing the down your neck, really it's probably the worst possible timing. Especially, you know... You're not bringing in a guy with a big personality, really. No matter what, what his individual personality is, he's not someone the players are going to say, hmm, he's not, you're not bringing in Tony Pulis to save you from relegation. Okay. You're bringing in a, another green guy who's got to impose his personality on this team, which could take three matches, yeah. four matches even, and that's too late. Well, I mean, you can always keep your fingers crossed that there's going to be one of those new coach bumps and they go on some sort of tear and it's enough to, to get them over that hurdle before they collapse. But I think a lot of this will come down to, to how the players react. And we were talking earlier about how we couldn't be sure whether the players gave up on him. Now, if they did give up on him and they have more to more to put out on the pitch, then perhaps this was the right time. If 
if the players were just tired after a run of 11 games in a month, then maybe changing it up right now is not the best idea. It's, it's one of those questions that will really play out in the wash. The one thing that I have seen, you know, sort of discussed on, on, on Twitter, more in the sense of, hey, this is okay, regardless of who's in charge, but I also think it has to be said, hey, they're still in a playoff position. It's, it's not like he yeah. plummeted them to the bottom of the league. It's, no. They're not Montreal. It's not like Montreal's two points of behind us now. You know, and it's, so, yes, they were becoming the poster child for futility of late and unable to secure points, three points when they should have, or or a point in a game where clearly they were the better team, but they're not spiraling completely out of control. They are not playing to their potential. This is a much better team than what we're watching right now. Absolutely it is. And, and again, as, as James said, if, 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 if they've quit on him, fine um then absolutely he should go now i think he probably should have gone more towards the beginning of uh of august after that one homestand that went so horribly wrong and you know injuries haven't been kind to him but again he's not adjusting his lineup in my opinion to the injuries the way he should so there's both sides that yeah he's lost some major players and that is something that people were using to defend him myself included of late but I also noted, we all did, that he was not putting what would be the most logical players out there to try and adjust to the loss of those players. So I'm not, I'm not so upset that, that it's gone. I think it would have sent the season further down the spiral if he stayed from the sounds of it. But I do think there has to be some recognition that this is not the worst coach this team has ever had. No, far away now. I don't know how you judge it based on them having probably the best roster they've had. Right. Uh, so he's probably... Maybe he is. It really, it's hard to judge. We'll never know. Well, I, I don't think we'll never know. He's He showed this year a tactical naivete and uh, yeah. made some very questionable... Obviously, there are issues with some of the players being frozen out. You know, a couple young players in particular... Uh, we don't know what happens on the training pitch for the most part. Uh, but yes, they weren't spiraling, but when was the last time we we can say they imposed themselves on a match? Really went out and won a couple of matches in a row and looked good for the win. It's been a, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I agree. At least a month or so. I'm the fear addicted, and I get illustrated. Last week's bitchy blank was Tim Lewicki brought the big bloody deal to TFC. 
his successor will bring blank. Gentlemen, what did you have for this? The Argos. Oh. <laughs> Nicely done. Well, well played. A small bloody CFL team <laughs> was mine. Oh, ha-ha. Odd man out. Scooby-Tacks. Nope. Nice. Nope. We just got to stay. I say we like I own them. The good days. <laughs> um, his successor will bring Fatter Ronaldinho. Then we'll be told it's a major signing. Then us podcasters and bloggers will know it for what we already know. Summer camp for the elderly. That's a long fucking bitchy blank. Well, the answer was Fatter Ronaldinho. I just had to <laughs> oh. oh, you asterisk. <laughs> yes. Well, it needed for the words. There was, there was, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's elaborating. Uh, I had, uh, he'll bring coaches 10, 11, and 12. <laughs> <laughs> but that will be out of regeneration, so that's the final coach for TFC. Uh. So this week's winner is Alan Thornton at Toronto Subudio on the Twitters. His response was, his successor will bring two corrupt anti-monarchist politicians, a shoddy wig duo. Which wow, thought was just kind of fantastic. So thank you for playing along, Alan. I may be the only one who thinks this is fantastic, but I loved it. And since I got to pick the winners this week, I think I week, just got it. There you go. Yeah. It takes a minute. Yeah. It's layers. It rhymes. Lots. It does. Oh. Okay. Come on. <laughs> this is a good bitchy blank. Did you see the part where I put fatter Ronald? <laughs> that was good. You are not allowed to win. Did I actually like look like that was highbrow? Remember the part where we were talking <laughs> about the Argos? That rhymed too. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to put the part unless Orlando signs in first. <laughs> Hey, hey, far be it for me to bring, like, the tiniest touch of class to our little podcast once a month. Shoving your left-wing politics down our throats. What's a wing? We love it. We'll <laughs> probably go after Father Ronaldinho, but we're getting a blind draw. <laughs> to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Frank Yallop. <laughs> Who is not coming here, by the way, folks. Don't get your hopes up. Not you yet. never know. It's not going to happen. All right, Check this week. Space in February. What's your own event wearing this stuff? <laughs> this week's bitchy blank is Greg Vanny's nickname should be blank. As always, please send us your responses to us on the Twitters at Vocal Minority Pod, no A in the vocal, or in the comments on our website, Vocal Minority Podcast.blogspot.ca, or in the comments at Waking the Red when we posted there. Thank you all for playing. Submit many entries so I have something to do while I'm at work. Thanks. We got the fire but does it mean anything? We got the fire tonight. We wanna fight, but will it change anything? Will I make it alright? Alright. So in and amongst all of the happenings with the firing and Lightwiki leaving and so on and so forth, well, Bez, president for life perhaps, Presbachenko as we've called him. Um has he already taken over? As all this was happening, Laiwiki was not really to be found anywhere. He wasn't at the press conference. He's made a couple comments in the media through some, some interviews, but not really stepped out to say a lot. Uh, it's been all uh, Tim Bezpachenko. So is this his team now? Is he just like taking his stamp and going, this is mine? If it is, it's a little bit scary, but that could very much very well be exactly what's happening. Um, I think if you go back to the comments that apparently precipitated this whole thing, his his calling the team out and saying that guys needed to be better, that was... With Lewicki leaving, it was his chance to 
get out in front of the cameras and and declare that this is his team, that he's the new face of the team, that that he's the Tim that everyone needs to be paying attention to now. And and whether he did it in order to draw Nelson's response is is, is another question. But uh, he's he's definitely put himself front and center now, and this is his team if it's anybody's team. Agreed. I, th- I think it was a, a puffing of the chest. Whether it ends up being folly, only time will tell, but this is the first time you've seen him pulling the, the rope of TFC. The Wiki's only comments really have been about Defoe, because that's heavy in his... You know, that's, that's the guy he brought over. He you know was, you're affecting his legacy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that... Uh, like Wiki only seems to get involved when big money and talking needs to take place. Like, you know, expanded stadium, or when we sign Zlatan Ibrahimovic in five years' time when he's 37. Bez will take care of all the minor stuff. Like things that have the keywords allocation, coaching staff, or exciting partnerships involving law firms. Like Wiki's busy with his exit strategy. He's, he, he's washing his hands of all things leaves, selling his condo, and he's secretly trying to get the bills to go to L.A. because that's where the money is now. So, yeah, this is, this is all Bezbachenko. Similar to what James and Tony said, I think, um, I just think it was deliberate. And I remember I was surprised when I read that interview, when I saw that interview. I was like, oh, that seems like a really sort of out there and kind of poking the bear statement for him to make, considering he is usually more the background guy. And sure, step up and look at the fact that I am in charge now, I guess, but I, to me, it does, it absolutely seemed like a deliberate provocation towards Nelson. I, I, this is my feeling because he goes from saying nothing all the time to mm-hmm. suddenly going, well, well, this team obviously is not rising up and they can do better and they should do better and we expect more and, and from a guy who never talks. But provocation? Yeah. Saying things that we all know for fact, yes, maybe not the best form. This team has stayed but quiet ask, this but season. But asking for in a good media. performance at home against New England—that wasn't asking. Not that was, but it's not an outrageous request. This yeah. team doesn't do that, though. They don't talk about stuff like this. But in the then media we complain. But we've complained a lot about the void of leadership too. I'm and just saying is, that he was looking for a response from Nelson, regardless of whether or not he says he listened to it after the game, which, again, is total bullshit. The other possibility is is that this was completely unintentional and it was a consequence of Bezbachenko having to do more media stuff What with Liwiki backing away. Like it, yeah. it could have been something that... You think T.L. would have said something similar? Uh, he's a pretty bombastic guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. think he would have he would have said it... He would have said it in a way that was less confrontational. He's a polished. He's a he's a polished. Oh yeah, guy. a little bit more yeah. of a silver tongue. Yeah, this is Bez doesn't and, and have a lot of media training. That's it's a, true. It's a really good point. Yeah, this is Bez Bichenko's, This is his first time in the spotlight, really, and first time having to handle a crisis as well. That's it's true. been pr- it's been quiet out front since he arrived, which is rare here. That's true. Is this Bez Bichenko, Um is this Bezbachenko being handed the mantle to say this is your team now because I'm outie, or is he is he getting in front because there's a vacuum of power? Oh, I think he's getting in front of the vacuum of power. Yeah, we we don't even know how much Lewicki is allowed to do right now. Yeah. at MLSE. Yeah, because when he, when he guys, may be castrated by that board right now. Yeah. yeah. When when guys are on their way out, they go really really quiet. The last couple presidents they've had have done exactly that. They just. Yeah, all of a sudden they go completely dormant. They're just biding their time. 
right. non-disclosure agreements. Yeah. God, they must make, they must have billions in non-disclosures. <laughs> they, have a, they have a whole storage unit in Whitby that just says non-disclosure. They have a they have a twenty-person <laughs> department, and eight of those people are dedicated to TFC ex employees. <laughs> Speaking of which, why did you guys get me to sign one before today? Uh, um, moving yeah. on. Uh, moving next points. Uh, That's so a violation, by the way. Put your pants back. <laughs> Mark, it's time to put your pants back on. <laughs> on a cuff. <laughs> uh, so the question remains, or not remains, the question is, can Bez be an effective president for this team? Especially given... Some, you know, the story that he's opposed several traits that have arguably made the team better. To me, his most valuable asset, and it's a pretty big one, is that he's the ultimate MLS insider. And by insider, I mean actually from inside the office. Uh, you know, the, we've talked a bit about when, we, when Lewicki was leaving, about how the club was a, a pariah in the MLS office, had had run out of trading partners. They were so, you know, had such a bad name for themselves in this league. So, and it's a really important thing, as we know, with all the blind deals and allocations and all the wonderful secrets that are the MLS head office to have a guy who has an ear in that office. Obviously, he was admired under Garber. You know, he was a rising star. So, the, you know, having a guy like that is not necessarily the, the worst thing. Um, as far as the trades go, that's a very curious comment from him. How much power then is he claiming that Nelson had? If he didn't like the trades and he was the GM, who was right. pulling the trigger on them? Exactly. Now, it's a funny thing with the trades. I assume when you look at the trades this year, you got to assume he's talking Enduro, Moore, those kind of deals. They've worked out fairly well, but I can kind of see where he's coming from. And he says he said it with the... the the side note of the direction for the future. Now they got rid of nothing to get those guys, so it looks really good. Mm -hmm. But but they're, right but they're not the kind of guys you really want to build a team around. And so you know, interesting, but very curious at the same time that Nelson was given if he's claiming he didn't come out and claim it, but I mean read between More the lines yeah. that Nelson was holding kind of that dual role role of head coach slash manager. Yeah. Yeah, so, curious. I agree with what Tony said. <laughs> Phoned in. No, um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. If there's, I don't know if there's um, much that really can be added to because, right now, from what we've seen, it doesn't really. He doesn't really allude to um, having the right chops, at least you know, in front of the camera or just in general behavior. But you can't deny all the all those background things that you said, Tony. And it's just like that's the kind. Of, his background is the kind of thing that you give him three or four screw ups, screw ups. Like and these, this is a screw up, but he could make three or four massive errors and still be like, well, still the guy on the inside. Like, yeah, we've had the opposite. Yeah, Aaron Winter, DeClerc, and you know Mariner and and Selmy, the mm -hmm. ultimate outsiders. Yeah, pretty and, much. You know. Um, I think there is, it, it should be stated that there is a slight concern that he was brought in to manage the salary cap and now he's running the entire club. 
Good point. He he was presented as the guy who's gonna handle the inner workings of MLS while all the rest of the football stuff was Nelson and all the rest of the acquisition promo stuff was Lewicki and now it's it's him. Yeah. And that is a huge step up from calculator to everything. And that's my concern is especially hearing opposed to the trades, which again aren't blockbuster trades, but I think in this season have not done anything to put TFC back a step and I think a couple of those guys are decent bench strength that you would keep around we always talk about the lack of bench strength on this team but yeah Bez is he's a money guy he's not a football guy no matter no matter that you know he's been coming out to to the pub now he was signing autographs the other week and he's you know doing the ice bucket challenge and hanging out with the guys and stuff he's a football fan but I I don't know that he's a football mind and I've also you know, I, again, it's just you hear you hear little things that he's just the he's just the money guy, he's just the contract guy, and even that within MLS, that's as far as his reach goes. That's not that he is like Lywicki, who has influence throughout MLS. Fez understands how how the money works, but does he understand how the rest of the league works? Well, bench strength is a good way of putting it. Then this is where your president, but now unfortunately we have a lack of, so your board, whoever is above him, this is where they have to step and say we got to rebuild a football team, but we've never had that. There's never been the desire or, you know, consideration that you have to have a good group of people, not one guy. Yeah. Because when one guy screws up, you're left with a giant vacuum. Exactly. And we've, this is our, what, fourth, fifth vacuum? At least. We so, need a Dyson at this point. I, I, oh, I would love a Dyson. I hear what, you, I understand what you mean. It's a good point about him being the policy wonk, the salary cap guy. I just, I would fear... Have not having him there, and you know MLSE goes out and hires guys they heard were pretty good. I'm not saying he shouldn't still be involved in the team. I worry that he is now the guy. Agreed, yeah. but That's... they still have a woeful scouting department. Yes, eight years on. Bring that Ryan Nelson. Oh, and like you know, so it's it's this is unfortunate. It's a it's kind of a perfect perfectly bad storm with Lewicki leaving. Yeah. It, it, the, the, the dominoes, yeah. actually, that are falling from this is actually far more than I think any of us expected. I mean, as much as a, any kind of on-field rebuild, they need that backroom rebuilt fast in the off-season. Yeah. We can't fall. We can't have another Insomni regime. But I don't see that coming, unfortunately. I know. They are, I know. They are the kind of organization who likes to put their one guy in charge. They like their comfort zone. Yeah. I, I find it hard to believe that, that it could get to be another Insomni regime because Insomni displayed ineptitude from top to bottom. He had no clue what he was doing with this club. He, business side, yeah, well, he, that's, he's a business guy. But running running a soccer team is not running a hockey team. But the club's not a standalone. That's the problem. It's part of MLSE. And MLSE, without Tim Lewicki, do they care about TFC? I, I mean, for the amount of revenue that they bring in, they'd have to. It's not, this isn't... Not in comparison with their other... Properties, but not in but not in comparison to the Marlies. No, the other properties don't have as much room for growth. Yeah, well, yeah. But we, we're giving them credit for for having that kind of <laughs> foresight. Foresight, yeah. yeah. But even just profit margins alone, like just for the amount of for the amount of money that they would have to invest and get in return, DP contracts notwithstanding, if they could just build a team that looks something like Real Salt Lake, Sporting KC. Um, you don't need to pay a DP, or if you do, you buy one. They don't. You don't buy three. I, I don't have confidence that oh, they no, see they, that. Oh no, no. I'm just saying. That, I'm not saying that they that, that yeah. they can do it. I'm saying a, it's possible, and b, if they do it, it's it's super super cheap. Yeah. 
I mean, I've just doing what little math I understand of this the league and how it's structured. I'm pretty certain they've been operating in the black since year two. <coughs> like and that includes the stadium, and the franchise fee, and everything else, because their their gate revenues blow the rest of the league out of the water. At least they did for the first five or six years. So, like, there's there's this league makes money and this club makes money even in the face of having designated players, even in the face of incompetence of of a president who has no idea how soccer works. All I'm saying is that this cannot... If if Bezbachenko is the new president of TFC, he would have to seriously demonstrate a complete lack of football acumen. And at the bare minimum, he has some. We think. We don't know. You, we don't know that he does. Just by osmosis. Yeah. Sure. He okay. Has, he by has osmosis, more, he has more. That he's touched and held Five. the MLS rule. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. But he's he spent time in the league. Exactly. Therefore, he's probably had lunch with Don Garber. <laughs> he did. He played. He played at university yeah. level. University of Richmond. He's played at USL. USL. Yeah. All right. Okay. So fair enough. He knows. So he knows I, something. He's not green to the sport. Okay. Yeah. It's not like they're putting me in charge. <laughs> so what you're saying is you have no big boy pants to put on. Do you have? Oh, a resume? are we supposed to wear pants? It's non-disclosure. <laughs> Jesus, James, like you've never done this. I'll sign another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit late oh. for that. <laughs> That's how you fix it. You just signed a new one. If you look through TFC history, pants has not always been a requirement. <laughs> okay, so accent check, pants optional. <laughs> How's your drinking game? coach because there are none left and sorry Jason Bent you're probably not our head coach instead uh, Greg Vanny is the new head coach not the interim head coach he is the new head coach uh, was this the plan all along since he was put in place by Bez to run the Academy has some more experience than Ryan Nelson of course who doesn't but has spent some time assistant coaching in the league I know um, I have my own concerns about that, but has spent some time working with different academies. Regardless of all of that, uh, it's another manager with no experience, so doomed to fail. If you look at the T- the managers TSC has had, none of them have had an iota of footballing success prior to their arrival, at least as a manager. Um, a great percentage had managed in a first team of any kind. Uh, those that did were far from success- successful. Mojo and Preki were fired with uh, less than three seasons' experience between them. Uh, this was Carver's, Cummins, and Nelson's very first gig. Mariner, mani- Mariner managed Plymouth. Um, Winter Venter managed the Ajax Reserves. So I'd be shocked if there's a trophy amongst a lot of them. Just one. Dassel's probably got more hardware, and that's scary. Uh, failure doesn't start with a manager, nor does it end... I mean, it's. I think it's a culture thing. I think it's the whole culture. I don't care who's the manager or how new they are. Just control the room, win some games, and for the love of God, play some pretty football. My favorite comment in the midst of all this on Twitter was, 
aren't all TFC managers interim? <laughs> <laughs> Which is true, of course, but why anyone would think this manager with no experience is any different than all the other managers with no experience? There's just nothing to go on. I mean, you know, we've said he's an, he's an academy guy mostly. He had one season under the illustrious management of Robin Frazier. That went really well. Um, they were all know, stacked together. Going back to the original question, and we've alluded to this before, you have to assume he's been the plan all along in the back of Bezbachenko's mind. Uh, you know, I don't. You, we don't hear much about the inner workings of the academy. They haven't been like pumping out the talent in the last couple of years. Um, but one of the things, especially with the Defoe uh, incident that we're going to talk about, is this uh, kind of whispers that the uh, players weren't playing for Nelson because, you know, his lack of experience and the way the club was going, blah, blah, blah. But why would anyone think that they will now react to Greg Vanny? Why, why, what about Greg Vanny and his USSF badge will really impress those guys? A, a guy like Greg Vanny, who is going to have tomorrow or Wednesday evening in Philadelphia, one of his assistant coaches will be Nick Theslov whose job last week was coaching 14-year-olds. This, you know, I know the coaches are interim. They haven't been made permanent, but we know how this goes at TFC. I don't see what the appeal, even if he has a fantastic personality, that wears off pretty fast when things turn bad. I, I don't see what the appeal of making him the permanent manager really is, but obviously it's a personal relationship thing. Right, well, you were talking about the, the comment about all TFC coaches being interim. All TFC coaches are tied to a regime change, pretty much. When something front office shifts, which happens all the time, it's always got to get our guy in, got to get our guy in. We got to change this up, got to get this has, we all need to be on the same page, which I agree with, but it falls further back. Like there's so much frustration with this club to be, unable to stay on the same page for longer than 12 to 14 months to be able to say this is what we're going to do with this team somehow and this is going to happen over and over again every coach will be interim if we ever have a coach that lasts for longer than two years i'm going to be shocked this is not going to be the guy and i and greg if you are then i'm sorry i apologize in advance um, I more, smell a bet coming. Uh, no, <laughs> no. I'm just sorry. I'm just fantasizing what it must be like to have a coach for more than two seasons. Well, exactly. Don't <laughs> ask don't, everyone. Don't, don't ask everyone but us because it doesn't happen here. And this is it's a, it's, a, it's a deeper problem in that there's always a change and there's always well this wasn't the right direction. Well this wasn't and, and how many different directions can we go with this club until we just. <laughs> No, I'm serious. No, no, I just love the eye. I'm just trying to, <laughs> in my mind, I've got this chart. It's like, well, we've gone this way, and we've gone this way, and this way, and this way. How about this way? It's like, well, let's do a squiggle around this You know one. what? Can't we just, let's, you know what? Let's just fail spectacularly then with the same guy for like three good years. We're great at failing spectacularly. But yeah, but not with the same guy. We keep changing the guy who's in charge of the failing. So, so I know, God damn it. We just this want to is... be comfortable in something. You know? No, I just want them to try something for longer than the blink of an eye. And mm. it's frustrating. And this is part of what frustrates me about this. So I guess I should be happy that he's not just the interim manager. But I have no faith. I don't know anything about him. Sure, I know that Bez put him in charge. I know a little bit about his background. 
yay, that's that's all I know. And I know a couple of the guys have been like, oh yeah, he's been such a good calm influence in training mm -hmm. over the last two days. Well, that's great. It's of course new, he is. New coach smell, come on. You think yeah. he's gonna ruffle anybody's feathers right now? Just to, to play devil's advocate for a little bit, going back to the Bezbachenko putting himself front and center, it, it's his team now, he's gonna be calling the shots. Making Vanny the guy that he brought in, whether he was brought into coach the academy or brought in to be in place in case anything happened. This is a decisive decision. And not using the interim tag is a statement from Bezbachenko that this is what I am doing. So it's just a, a further way of putting the stamp on the club as being his. Whether it's good or bad, we'll know in six months when we have our next interim coach. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So speaking of Vanny and his and his now new coaching career has already said that he wants TFC to be more aggressive in the attack, more free thinking when they're out on the pitch, you know, switching up their decision making. Uh, so can he actually change this team tactically in such a short time? Is this team really actually capable of more? We talked about the new manager bounce that a lot of teams yeah. get. Wouldn't be surprised if we uh, have a couple of maybe decent, slightly different looking results. It's not so much Wednesday night in Philly. Saturday at home will be a little more, probably closer to what we're going to see. It's the grind after, especially when they hit the road. Um, if you look back at Chris Cummins' comments, Nick Dasevich's comments, they're almost exactly the same. I'm going to free the guys up. Yeah. Just let them play. As it, because the, their predecessors all had these <laughs> Scrooge-like shackles on them. It's always about freeing guys up and letting them express themselves like an art camp. <laughs> but, Finger uh, paints for everybody. But this isn't Barcelona. No. This isn't even Barcelona in Ecuador. Like no. we have nothing to base Vanny's tactical prowess on. I mean, nothing. But you know, who knows? But. What can he try? He'd have to have a giant set of balls to come in and try to revolutionize something. It's not going to happen. He's not going to go out and play some wacky tactic. You know, he's not going to try to instill some total football here in the next 10 games. The yes. WM system. Yes. <laughs> so, no, that's cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Nine that'd be awesome. Forward. I'm all it. for it. Let's do it. But, you know, I, I, he will... It'll be... Motivational stuff. It won't be hard tactics. I think. To be to be fair though, um, when all those when those other when Cummins and and Dasevich said I'm gonna let these guys be all creative. The level of talent that they had to unleash didn't really exist. Like by comparison, this team is the best team talent wise the club's ever seen, and it's leaps and bounds. Like letting. Letting Terry Dunfield off the chains isn't as nearly as appealing. It's tassels. You let him off his tassels. <laughs> Sorry. Letting Dunfield off the tassels <laughs> isn't nearly as, oh, as letting Bradley off the tassels. Or whatever friend she prefers. Like, like Osorio. Letting Osorio. Like, is Osorio overrated or is he stifled? Because we see flashes of brilliance from the kid, but then he just goes back into his role and just kind of disappears for large chunks on end. Is that because he's told to? We don't know. Maybe he's one of those guys that could flourish under such an open, free thought, hippie system. <laughs> I, I wish we were getting a whole open for hippie system. Everyone gets an Elvis on the <laughs> everyone, everyone gets everyone gets to play with the ball. Hey everyone guys, gets to try. Guys, 
free midfielders. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like like if there's if there's a if there's a TFC version that could be free flowing, this is it, or at least free falling, free flowing, <laughs> signing Tom Petty. Nice. I'm desperately trying to be heartbroken, but whatever. So, um, yeah, like this this is as close as it's gonna get. Granted, yeah, there's there's still a lot of guys who aren't talented or creative enough to be let off of their chain tassel whip or whatever. It's it, yeah. Well, I don't Whoa, know tassels and whips. <laughs> um, now think, I understand the. Noise how do you think Kanopka catches? <laughs> so, rock. Yeah, rock, exactly. Sorry. Rock River. Chris Love Rock. Yeah, it's true. I've, I've listened to the, I've listened to the podcast. I know about it. Um, yeah, like like not everybody is is this, you know, potential midfield maestro ready to be unleashed. But there are certainly a couple guys who could be unleashed more than they currently are. And at this point, why not? I'll take not having Bradley start as a sweeper just to begin. Ooh, I'm down with that. That's crazy talk. Tony, you're off the podcast. Make goals, Duncan. not war. <laughs> I think you sort of have to go back to what we were talking about before as to whether the players gave up or whether they were doing everything they could. And if if they had given up, then clearly we should expect a little bit more from them this week. If... I think it would be sort of strange to to look at it as though Ryan Nelson's tactical acumen had them playing in ways that were unnatural to them. If if the constant complaint is that Nelson wasn't really able to impose himself on a match, then I don't see how him telling the guys to play out of the back or to, to not play out of the back that apparently is the big problem. They've been trying to play really? the back. We've been playing out of the back? Apparently, okay. this is what's been happening. Okay. I didn't really notice that know. much, well, but... If you look at our possession stats, that clearly wasn't happening. <laughs> <laughs> True. So it, it comes down, there's there's a lot more in them. There's They're capable of a lot more Absolutely than what we've are. seen. But whether it was the system, whether it was them not being happy, whether it was the general poor atmosphere around the place that was stifling them, or whether it was those pre-match funnel cakes, you know? Oh. That only applied for the last couple weeks. That food building isn't open all year round. TFC gets their own funnel cakes. Oh, oh yeah. Perks. Jimmy Hot cold running bit. funnel cakes. Jimmy B's funnel cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so just one last sort of thing. We're talking about the squad. We're talking about tactics, from the players. Let's talk about the uh, elephant in the room that is Ashton Morgan. And... From the sounds of it, now that he and Daniil have both been uh, called back from the national team in advance of the friendly next week. Quick uh, aside, buy your tickets, people. Buy your For goodness. tickets to the game next week against Jamaica. Thank you. Morgan sounds like he's going to play. And hey. What a novel idea. Having a left back play at left back. I know, I know. Mind blown. I'm just... Let's not overplay no. how awesome Ashton Morgan is. Exactly. Just, but, we like, can't. But it's an opportunity. Better than Jackson. <laughs> True. So is this going to be a reclamation of the Canadian players of Ashton Morgan? Is D-Row going to suddenly, well, he's off, No. going to st- suddenly start seeing a lot more time? Nah, D- D-Row's issue isn't, isn't time. It's that his legs... Well, it is time. Can't, it's not yeah. the way you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Old man time, yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the few concrete promises we've heard from Vanny is new faces. You have to assume two things. Canadian guys youth movement 
Yeah. So you're probably going to see more of the Lovitzes. Is, <laughs> and, uh, you know, guys like that, you probably, I think we're probably going to find out that Ashton Morgan is still alive. Oh, if Ashton Morgan doesn't play tomorrow night, it? I will just be beyond yeah. shocked. But to use an analogy from your London EPL club and their recent attempt at putting a academy guy in charge, unlike Tim Sherwood, he doesn't have an Adebayor who's been frozen out who can come in and really change things. He has a few guys who may make feelings feel a bit better in training. Yeah. But there is no secret weapon waiting to be unleashed here. Ashton Morgan is our Adebayor. <laughs> Then may whatever god you believe in help us all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of our London EPL team and uh, potentially disgruntled strikers. Potentially. (laughs) I'm being positive, which is very unlike me. Jermaine Defoe, uh, been spending some time in England, getting some other people to look at his groin injury. No, that wasn't a wag joke. Really. Should have been. I know. Still well, can be. It still can be. It's There's time. It was. <laughs> Katie Price. <laughs> Apparently, almost left us for uh, what was that? What was that little club called again? All of them. All of them. Oh, That's yes. right. That's right. <laughs> I hate those guys. I really do hate those guys. Great cup team. <laughs> so there's a bunch of questions. Uh, Defoe is he really that unhappy here? Uh, is he just disillusioned? with the club itself or is this a striker's ego at work for not getting to go play in the world cup and realizing this is this as good as it gets right now this is his life is playing in toronto uh and all other ways involved in that is the fact is is he really hurt well for for those who followed defoe's career at any closeness there's always uh an air of petulance especially when things aren't going great Ego's always been a part of his game, but that's fine. Because good strikers be. have egos. Exactly. And that's fine. It's, it's how you handle it and how you channel it. It's a different thing, especially when things aren't necessarily going good. Um, you know, his, his ability to score goals wherever he's gone has pretty much, you know, papered Smoothed over. Smoothed it over, yeah. absolutely. So, um, Maybe an ass, however. But Still leading the team, by the way. You know, TFC's monstrous salary um, offer to him in the offseason was perfect for his ego. He was at a time when his value had dropped in the Premier League. There wasn't a hell of a lot of interest outside of the bottom feeders of the of the division, um, and so it was, you know it was a chance for him to say, "Look, this team is willing to pay me big money." I'm sure, and you assume in his head he thought he was going to come over here, bag goals left, right, and center, force his way onto the World Cup squad, yeah. you know, go and and have one last hurrah at the World Cup. And then take it easy. Be the big man on campus. England wins the world. <laughs> yes, he is carried off the shoulder. He is the one who finally wins in penalty kicks. Sir Germain Defoe. Yeah, the whole thing. Comes back, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny how his biggest emotional outburst we've seen for him, from him this year is when he what didn't make that team. He was devastated yeah. and told everyone, and fair enough. Yeah. But that's the most we've seen out of him emotionally, emotionally. this year yeah. about not making England. And... Leading up to the World Cup, during, after, that's when the scowl came, the shoulders have slumped. We've all seen it. It's not the same body language as Defoe in the early days. We had pep in his step. Um, But yeah, once it was all done, it was a future playing for a mediocre team in a league he, you know, for, that he doesn't 
it's not the Premier League. We we make no allusions to to no. that. But um, there are worse places. That's all. But you know, he saw that, and he, in his head, he's still he's a, still a Premier League striker and a good one. Yeah. And I think it's that sudden drop of prestige and nothing on the horizon that has clouded his. I mean, I will give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt because. We don't know what kind of shit show's been going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And it's the same when everybody was jumping on D-Row back in the day. We didn't know quite all the stories about, at first, of how he was treated, etc. The relationship with management. And it's easy sometimes, although I'm happy to be a bit hard on Defoe right now, but it's easy sometimes without all the facts to know. But at the same time, you know, it seems to be back in his if, if you it seems to be back in, in padding his his reputation of petulance right sadly no it, and it, it is it, it's it's you see a lot of comments oh well this is typical Jermaine Defoe this is what he does if you've watched him blah 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 um I think yeah, a lot of what you said I think he expected to come over here and just be the man not just for this team but I think for the league I think he looked at Beckham's history here. I think you look at some of the guys in LA, some of the big guys who have come over and been the face, not just of their team, but been a face of the league. And I think he expected that. And, and why not? Rightfully show. I, I think I was very excited that he was coming. I'm happy to have him be on TFC. He's still one of the best goal scorers we've ever had, regardless of whether or not he's producing at the rate we had hoped he would. Um, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 hard when you see the flip side of that ego, and you don't get the the confident brash ego. You get the this is not how this worked out. So screw you guys. Um, I think just to add a little bit to that, it would be in the in the along the lines of your Beckhams and your Henrys. He hasn't gotten the the calls that a lot of those guys have gotten. He hasn't gotten that little bit of protection. He hasn't gotten. He hasn't been allowed to snipe at referees the way that, you know, Beckham could call you any number of names and chase you halfway down the field and he'd get a smile and a handshake. Like, yeah. a handshake. A, a handshake. Whereas <laughs> Defoe, Defoe hasn't received that same level of respect. And the World Cup snub moving into even the referees aren't giving me the time of day, into the injuries, into playing in the sun, which I personally would hate. That's a lot of change to go through, and it's a lot of... It just makes that transition and the acceptance of this reduced status all that much more difficult. For sure. But doesn't the money make it worth it? I mean, really. Like, no. how, honestly, how much, was he, how much was he getting paid at Tottenham? He wasn't going to get this contract from anyone. This is what I mean, though. Like, at some point in time, like when, when the older guys come over for summer camp, they're getting a payday that they were not getting anywhere else. The Saudi league wasn't going to pay them. The the Qatari league wasn't going to pay them. Nobody was going to throw out $6.5 million, whatever it was, $7 million a year for Jermaine Defoe's contractor boots. But he's here. He got it. You know, And you can watch these games on, on, on TV, satellite. Somebody could probably show him what this looks like. He knew what he was getting himself into. Anybody with 10 minutes could explain to him what he was getting himself into. So if he wants out, that's fine. I get it. I totally get it. But he needs to wait until October 26th, the day after the regular season ends, and then start pipping himself out to QPR, Palace, 
or whoever our new London EPL team is. <laughs> and we'll see him in June for the obligatory friendly. <laughs> if he wants to... To goodness! Go. Go. Please go. Like, never mind the money thing, because this is, this is one of the few clubs in MLS that money truly is no object. There is more where that came from if they want it, if they need it. But if he wants out, if he's, if his, if he's checked out, please go. I'm sure we can find somebody else at half the rate at double the scoring if we look hard enough. I, I disagree with you on that last part. I don't see there being... I don't, I don't see there being a lot of guys either within the league or without the league that we can do that with. And that's not necessarily a reason to keep him. Um, I think uh, that when healthy and when happy, sure, it's, it's, it's a lot of work keeping a striker happy sometimes. He is going to, should he stay, he's probably not going to stay, but should he stay, going to be one of the best scorers this team has ever had. Not just in terms of quantity, but in terms of the goals that he scores and the game situations. I care less about the money that TFC spends on whoever they want. People talk about contracts, and I used to rail against this a little bit more in terms of contract costs, but I, to me, if you have the money to spend, whatever, do it. I don't expect production based on salary any longer. And I used to, and I just, I don't care <laughs> anymore. And, and this league will get past that as well. We won't have a salary cap. We won't be a single entity league. That's gonna take a number of years before it happens. It's gonna happen. Ooh. This will, it will change. But right now... 2062. <laughs> no, no, no. 2047. Then they're the 11th best team in the... <laughs> in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I just... I don't see... Um, and that's not the way... That's also not the way MLSE and Toronto Sports works as well. We don't go out and we don't buy the, the grinders as our main people. They always... If they want to be successful, they always find somebody. Well, the Leafs do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Leafs just, are not successful. That, that eyebrow was for almost every sign that the Leafs have made. Right, and in the, the Leafs last twenty years are not successful. Uh, the Leafs buy a grinder and turn him into a prima donna. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They pay <laughs> well, he is for like a season. No, no, they they manage to convince him he's a prima donna and he plays like one for um, and then goes back. He regresses. They play. They pay him a Wayne Gretzky salary for a Keith Gretzky's output. Oh, Keith Gretzky, <laughs> Gretzky burn. Well, replacing him is a is a big deal, you yeah. know. We're we're kind of moving into the next yes. section here, but it's uh, safe to say I think nine out of ten people believe he's he's going to be leaving in January. Yeah. Um, but it's where they go from there. They they can't think that they're just going to replace him with a guy they can get in a trade in MLS. Those guys are few and far between. That's right. Now. I they all want to play in the U.S. Don't expect them to go the Defoe route again. They're not going to change their put their sights on another European 31, 32 year old. Younger. They're probably smarter to go for someone in the Gilberto South American mode if they want to develop someone. Well, yeah. The, so what I meant by the whole money, like if the money is the motivation for staying here, but he's not getting the job satisfaction, that money can be better spent elsewhere. Yeah. It doesn't oh, mean sure. it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to replace Defoe with a Defoe like player. It's, I'm saying if he's checked out, the risk can be better invested elsewhere. Oh, yeah. And let's get... I've said this before. Let's go get the, let's go get the top scorer of the Danish League and the Norwegian League. And let's have them here. Let's pay them double what they're making because it'll be a hell of a lot, hell of a lot more than what they'll, uh, they're worth. And if they score goals, they're heroes. If not, experiment over. Go back to, go back to SC Copenhagen and... And, and random Norwegian team. I can't think of anything right now. And we can call him Rob Fjord. 
<laughs> I love it. God. Yeah. All right. So January is he gone? January is this? Let's 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 try this. Is the consensus of the panel <laughs> on three? <laughs> One, two, three. Yes. Oh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you go first. <laughs> All right, Kyle. <laughs> or Mike will go first. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> they don't know who you pointed to. Uh, it, it'll largely depend on on what his value is in the open market. Like if that if that awesome deal comes up again, or is it somewhere in the ballpark? Gone. He's gone because now we don't need him anymore. It's our off season. We can we've got time to replace whatever, renegotiate. Uh, I don't. There's time for for us to reset for the beginning of next season. So if he wants to go, go. We cut cut our losses, get some kitty, transfer kitty money, boom, it's all good. Um, it largely depends on to where where we end up. I think like how how the whole season actually finalizes. We don't if we don't make the playoffs if Toronto doesn't make the playoffs, it's a lot easier for to let him go. If they do make the playoffs, eh, something could be worked out. We could say we're gonna bolster blah blah blah. You can you can try and talk him into sticking around, and that might soften the whole I want out scenario. But should he go? Probably. I think that the determining factor on whether he's here or not will will involve two, two separate things. The first thing we have to remember is transfer windows tend to be insane times, where teams are desperate to get a guy in, and, and they're looking through their Rolodexes and being like, who can we call, who can we call? And Defoe was, because he didn't join England at the World Cup, his stock sort of rose in a weird way where nobody was upset when he was left off other than Jermaine, of course. And when he wasn't there and England crashed out, everyone was saying, well, yeah. we should have brought Defoe. We should have brought Defoe. Look, he's scoring goals in Toronto. Why didn't we bring Defoe? So so without him doing anything, although apparently Toronto games are on BT Sport, which is interesting. Yes. Uh, Enjoy. Imagine for that. That is a rough way to wake up. Wow. Um, without him doing anything, his his stock in the imagination of everybody who was desperate to bring in some goal scoring had risen by notches that, deserved or not, weren't really a factor. So when this season plays out, we'll see how he returns. We'll see if he's fit. We'll see what happens. When January comes, will teams be that desperate again? Will he get an offer that's or or will a club come forward who he thinks is worth his time? Now, I see the loan option being a little bit more likely if he wants to go play, but I mean if a team were to buy him in January now he's been playing he's been in season for fifteen months, yeah. eighteen months, like that's be, a big ask. He needs to be a, fair, he needs he's an off season. To be fair, he'll have been off for two months. <laughs> Just saying. And that's another five flights back and forth between Toronto and London, too. That's true, yeah. I'm pretty sure those flights in those awesome, cozy first-class chairs aren't really that bad. No. <laughs> Tony? Ask him, yeah. <laughs> I got upgraded. Wheelie shows you the picture of his, of his seat. Yeah, that smile told me that it's a totally different experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's sleepy times. Yeah. Surprisingly... No hand jobs whatsoever. <laughs> blew my mind. I was sure they were good. Didn't blow mine. <laughs> ah. um, I kind of think it's a bad sign when TFC supporters are believing the words of Harry Redknapp over <laughs> the management here. They have a very close relationship, and but I do agree with you that it depends on where the prospective clubs are at in January. 
if QPR is kind of in that 16th position, struggling for goals, think that he can push him, uh, that Defoe can push them, you know, into safety, then I think that they have got deep pockets. That's true. That is absolutely true. And they didn't pick up any other striker. He's a, not a very difficult option for them to pick up. He's a known quantity. Harry Redknapp loves those guys. He will go hard if Harry Redknapp is still there in January. You know, we're assuming big things. But um, I think they'll come back hard for him. Now, his value, if he is injured, however you want to believe it, yes or no or anywhere in between, if he's so-called crocked, that could affect his value. Now, if they come back with a lower offer in January, offers are never quite as big as the summer ones for English clubs. You know, I wonder how MLS slash, slash MLSE reacts. Where to, is the sale point at that? Point yeah, at that yeah, time yeah. Now. I mean, he is, obviously he's a diminishing value as he get for every month that he's older. But I mean, not selling him now, I don't think came down to the value of him now. It came down to the image, how terrible it would make TFC look, and terrible for the league as well. You bring in one of the biggest names you've ever brought in and they don't last a season. That would just be a PR, a PR nightmare that they could not have dug themselves out of. It, it was already blowing up to, oh, he went to Bush League MLS. That's really hard. And, and it's not just in the UK. It's prospective new fans who already have this bias, this ridiculous, ignorant bias against MLS. But that would just entrench it. Look, this guy came over here, he doesn't even want to stay. It's so horrible. Yeah, I, I think it's for me a lot of that was a whether or not he should go now or should have stayed. I think I'm glad they didn't sell him, and I think there's that's the main reason is it's a lot of its optics for everything you said, but also for a, a secondary reason. Should he actually recover from his injury? In you know, there's ten games left. Um, is he healthy enough to contribute to them managing to stay above the red line? You know, that's that's why they brought him, right? He's supposed to score goals and do good things. Who knows if he's going to see the pitch again, but I think that's the... And it's a very minor secondary reason. This is all about image, and, and rightfully so. Honestly, I, I don't see a lot of options. I don't see a lot of reasons why I yeah. would have said, yes, I am glad he is gone. Whether he wants to be here or not, I honestly don't care right now. I don't want him gone within this season. Well, I think this goes back a little bit to the... The sort of rush job it was to get this season off and started. Like, yeah. You bring in a guy like Defoe, yeah, he's a big name, but it's still going to take him time to adjust the league. And when you put all of your eggs in that basket, you're sort of asking for trouble when anything like this happens. I, I think they made... I think they undersold Bradley as far as being the face of the team. Yeah. And they oversold Defoe because they were appealing to that Saturday morning EPL watching fan. Yeah. And... Perhaps putting him under that spotlight was not not that not that it's a factor in whatever's happening here, but you could have enjoyed the publicity that he brings you without relying on it. You mean that so big much. bloody deal campaign wasn't aimed at Michael Bradley? <laughs> they could have gotten a double decker bus for Michael Bradley. Would have made total sense. Shouldn't from, have been like a Vespa or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just put, a, put his bald head together. Like espresso instead of instead of one game for Philip Boat. That's wrong city. He could have talked Italian like Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards. Nice. Arrivederci. That would have been awesome. That's. There is a commercial with Michael Bradley and Francesco Totti. I remember that was really. Yeah. That's good. They're teaching him to speak Italian. 
All right, so we're sort of, we're, we're moving into whether or not we actually expect to see him play again. Anyone expect to see him play again? I, I think there's a chance. I think if he's at all healthy, they'll trot him out there. Oh, yeah, I, I think... Wave his cap at the fans. I'm, I'm, I think he's going to stay out the season unless unless, it, unless an even more ridiculous offer comes up. He's staying... We'll see him till the end of the season. Um, I figure we'll probably get another five games, you know. Throw in an injury, another hamstring, another wag, whatever. Um, after that, well, sorry, during those five games, we'll have a better idea as to how checked out is he. You know, if he gets out on the pitch and just starts, you know, giving it 100% up and down the pitch, you know, my, my opinion will certainly change. But I tend to think, like, he'll stay, he'll be here till the end of the season. I don't know if I'll see him next year. I expect in the same range parts of three or four matches maybe um but going back to his injury my problem with it is uh qpr was just about to reportedly drop 11 million dollars on him right so how and they've been talking to him and his agents and all his representatives if they were going to drop that much more and they needed a striker now would they have been (laughs) ready to drop that money on a guy with that chronic a groin injury that apparently needs surgery. Yeah. I, I, I'm just... And despite how luxurious British Airways first class may be... <laughs> Tell us more. And jobs and apparently. <laughs> there is no doctor in the world who tells you to keep flying back and forth 14-hour round trips to yeah. feel better. We have good We're doctors Very good doctors here, yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a lot to that that really makes me uncomfortable. I guess, I guess the one... Other thing I would add to that is, without knowing exactly what it is that he's so upset about mm-hmm. and what it is that put him in this situation, who knows how quickly that could turn around. Right. Like, if his problem's Nelson and Nelson's gone, maybe everything's great. If his problem is Drake's not referring, returning his phone calls, then I mean, <laughs> we can sort that out pretty quick. You know, if the problem is that Wiki is leaving, that can be sorted out. If he doesn't like MLS, that's a little bit trickier, but... I've never known a striker that didn't like to show people up when given the opportunity. And if he does want to leave and he can't stand the league, there's no better way to go out than by scoring a bucket full of goals and then saying, see. Also, right. makes, also makes perspective clubs. Well, exactly. Much yeah. more do too. you want to be yeah. like, you couldn't even make it in MLS? Like, yeah, really? That's not, that's why not a we, selling point. Yeah. Why should we do anything for you? Yeah. So, final thoughts on, uh, on any of this Defoe, Nelson, Bez, Vanny. Um, just to completely leave all of this completely separate. Sure. You guys were worried about Wednesday night. Oh yeah, let's hear it. There's much less to worry about. Who's well, not playing? Carlos Valdez and Raiz Mboli, their new Algerian goalkeeper, are on international duty for both Wednesday and Saturday. So Philadelphia's center back problems have resurfaced and they have to put Zach McMath, the guy that they demoted for absolutely no reason, back into net. So... I'm not predicting a TFC win on Wednesday by that any chance. I'm not getting any points from him. You may want to check He was doing your... so good for me. <laughs> That's bad McMath. Oh, can't count on that. <laughs> so don't get too confident, but they're winnable games for sure. Mm. All right. Uh, I, I, I kind of feel bad for Defoe. I mean, in the sense that he used to be surrounded by guys with great touches, and, and now he's here, and he's the king of his own sandcastle. And we, and and the, I guess the difference is that we he preys on to Oduro if fifteen percent of his passes get to their intended target. 
that that's a that's a far more common occurrence in the EPL. And if if he's frustrated, if and this is under the assumption that he's frustrated with on field, you know he's not getting he's not getting the service, he's not getting the protection. He's, it makes sense because it's a lower it's a lower caliber league right across the board. Um, so yeah, um, that and I think he just did it all for the nookie, so he could get that cookie. He likes cookies. Yeah, he does. Who doesn't like? <laughs> he especially <laughs> likes cookies. <laughs> Uh, regarding Defoe, I'm disappointed as, you know, a fan of his for before he came here. Um, I'd say completely and utterly disappointed if it wasn't, as I've said before, that sinking feeling that there is something dark and ominous in that back room that we don't know about and won't hear about. Um, you know, we've seen the utter levels of craptum and circus show that is capable of going on within the halls of MLSE. And without knowing that, and we may never know, it's hard to fully blame him, but I am disappointed in the level of professionalism. I'm, he will probably show up and come out and say all the things about being 100% committed to this team and all that, and that's good and all, but it doesn't take a you know body language expert to see it's not the same Tremaine Defoe one way or the other. If he wants to go, I hope all parties can find a way because I don't want to see him back doing this next year. I don't want an unhappy Defoe being gone every three weeks, missing three games, coming back for one, missing three, blah, 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 back and forth to England, being talked about you know, joining back up with the national team, this and that. It's not good for him. It's not good for TFC. It's... It's not worth doing that just to sell tickets for 2015. But that is a big part of why he will probably be here until January 28th. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I like him. I'm, I'm a fan of his. I was very excited that he was coming here, and I've enjoyed watching him for the most part. But as same with you, I get frustrated watching him sulk his way around the pitch. Um, you know, there's games when he turns it on, and now I'm like, there's the complete player, well, as complete as he can be, that I appreciate watching. And other times I'm like, really? Get your ass in gear. Stop complaining. This is, you know, this is what you do. Uh, as for the rest of it, it's typical TFC. This is, this is the lot we've been given, it would seem, and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to change anytime soon. And whether we all stick around, I know people who are already giving up their seasons for next year. Grandstanding. Um, and I am not one of them because I masochist. I don't know. Um, I, don't, I, I do want to see what they... Explains the whips. Yeah. Shh. Non-disclosure. Seriously. <laughs> oh How many times a podcast do you have to sign that thing? Print up another God damn it. New Duncan. Scribe. Um... I, uh, I, you know, I was curious to see how they'll finish out the season. Will they manage to do enough to keep this somewhat on course? Um, make the playoffs, I think, still has to be their goal. I, I, and if they don't, I don't think they can point to all of this as the reason why. And, you know, if you're, if you're good at your job, you know, if you're a good team, you win games. If you're good at your job, you make sure that this doesn't happen. You promised your team, you promised your fans playoffs. With this talent in this league, this team makes the playoffs. 
really. It's very hard and in the, in the conference they play in, that is crap. They make the playoffs. And then that's, you know, they've got 10 games to show that to us, I guess. When they were, like, when they were sitting in third with a bit of distance, that seemed to be about the right spot for them. Only because Kansas City is... Oh, I fucking hate them. They're so good. And, and, and Red Bull, who've got... You know, they've got, they've got the fire. They've got the ability to turn it on and, and knock teams right out. So, third, that's, that's flattering. That is super flattering. I think that, that, that was reasonable. But, um, I don't know. Does 45 points get you into the playoffs? Not according said, to Bezbachenko. Uh, says, right now it does. Oh, he said 50 the other day. I know, but now it's 45. Oh, he's dropped it. Actually, Good. By, 43 might make it. Woo! Because by my math... It's like a Jerry Lewis telephone in reverse. Three wins, three draws, four losses. I was looking at the. I figured they'll 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 beat Montreal, they'll beat Chivas, and they'll probably get one of the Philly games. And everything after that is just, please don't die. Well, they have a Houston game. They have a, a Portland game here in Toronto. Portland's hardly been tearing up, tearing up stakes. No. L.A. might take the day off, perhaps. They deserve it. <laughs> you can, you can totally. <laughs> them a greeting card. Exactly. Take the day off. Give Landon Donovan a trip to Banff and then <laughs> <laughs> do a trip to Center Island. <laughs> Great water fountains. Great, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> Very erotic. <laughs> the problem with trying to predict TFC's next ten games is they always do the unpredictable. They'll win the few that we had no thought that they would. They'll, they'll beat LA. They'll yeah, destroy yeah, exactly, LA. Yeah. Seven one trans. On the road, because it's on the road, you know. <coughs> you know, it'll just be And they'll totally bend over to Chivas in Montreal. Oh, and you guys know who LA have re-signed that will clearly score the winner in that game. Alan right? Gordon. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, that just goes without saying. Without... Assisted by Dan Gargan. to this very serious, very serious, very special episode of the Local Minority Podcast. No, I'm exhausted. I know, ah, so much talking. Quiet, new bitchy. <laughs> I need a hug. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to uh, find out how we're doing until next week, you can find us on the interwebs uh, at Ignortalk, I-G-N-I-R-T-O-Q, Mr. Mark Hinckley. Or face down in a gutter. <laughs> New York, he's 1812. Mr. Tony Walsh. Gah! That's how it's done. At Grossi, uh, G R A W S E E. Thanks for having Mr. me. Mr. James. Mr. James. Indeed. Mr. James, indeed, in the hat. You can't see the hat, but it's 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 lovely. Radio hat. <laughs> it's part of it's, our it's part of our video hat. podcast. Folks. I love radio hat. <laughs> Duncan doesn't have a radio hat. Who? What? And as for me, you can always find me on the Twitters at KZ Knowles. And as always, not that we ever will, Toronto, get used to it.
Fagundes. The results of one game, because any team can have a poor afternoon. Because any team can have a poor afternoon. <laughs> Burn. Really? All right, fine. We Come own that. on. You talk louder, young man. Or oh, like right into that fucking mic. We seriously. earned that one. <laughs> when we say do this, it means increase your volume from there on. <laughs> Fuck. You press the 10 second rewind on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Well played. <laughs> I just had a Romaldino. I thought I brought the bar so low it would drag everyone down. Fuck, I thought that was so good. I'm disappointed in you, Highbrow. Do you know our listenership? Jesus Christ. Alan will be thrilled that he won. And I'm sure he deserved it. It was very good. Okay, everyone else will be wondering why TFC players are wearing wigs. <laughs> the barristers now, too? What? Um, all right. What the fuck's a barrister? <laughs> now you're just making shit up! We're gonna have to see the old Bailey about that. <laughs> see, now I get Beetle Bailey. See, I know that one. <laughs> I'm still trying to drag it. Lowbrow, lowbrow. Now it's old timey lowbrow. Handicap, you All drunken right, white sorry. beaters. <laughs> What, Sabutio? Yeah. yeah. I always want to say Sabateo. I know it's Don't wrong. say Sabateo, you Spanish I'm hanger on her. <laughs> fucking going to. <laughs> Stop it. You see me do this? I'm not asking for a fight. Alright. Just, <laughs> just be furious the whole time. <laughs> oh, that will happen. Fucking Mark's a prick. Every time we do it, he's always looking to challenge me. <laughs> I can't fight you in um. the middle of a podcast. <laughs> oh, yes, you can. <laughs> Um, that would be radio gold. Episode <laughs> episode forty three. Um, Duncan threw a punch. Duncan is always this close to punching me <laughs> gonna, every week. I'm so. not going to tell you who. Did you want to know who? I know this week. Did you tell him he was basically Scottish? <laughs> <laughs> That's next week when he comes back. How was vacation? How's our levels? Mad at you. How the levels look? For what? For including her bachelor viewing. In the podcast. That was kind of funny. That could have been any Roz. Roz. How's your vacation? Could have been Roz from Night Court. Yeah. Okay, so it was Roz from Night Court. This week's Fishy Blank is a simple one. It is, what should Greg Vanny's nickname be? Or Greg Vanny's nickname should be? Yeah, I was going to say, that's not much of a blank, Kristen. Yeah, that's, Thanks, that's a question. Tony. I reiterated it okay, in the better truth. Reiterated again. Yeah, do it more. Grammar. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go do something. <laughs> Is there a semicolon in there? <laughs> <laughs>